welcome back to Cocktails and Classics. This week we watched All the President's Men. In today's episode, we have myself, Cameron, Zach, Carlos, and Ben. For this week's Inspired Cocktail, I'm going to give it over to Carlos, and he's going to give us our drink. Thanks for tuning in this week again, everyone. And again, we watched All the President's Men, and for our cocktail this week, we are making the Nixon, uh, named after none other than our uh, former president. and uh, Good old Dick. Tricky <laughs> Dick. So here's what you're going to need for this, uh, for this cocktail. You're going to need half parts of bourbon whiskey, half a parts of slow gin, and two dashes of peach bitters boy is this drink strong just like uh just like the case that was made against nixon whoa 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 innocent till proven guilty i think they proved that one i am not a crook <laughs> the accents live on so uh so how did this how so how did this drink go down in your uh your your deep your deep throat there boys oh i'm feeling oh. it <laughs> oh, <I. laughs> It burned like I was chaining cigarettes while trying to write just one hell of a news article. After drinking like 25 cups of coffee. It is stiff. As I've said before, I'm not a huge bourbon fan. But I think the slow gin and the hint of the peach bitters kind of cuts through it. So it's not just like slapping me in the face like uh, an old-fashioned. But uh, I, it, it's one that uh, might go into my repertoire. It's pretty good. So, if you decide to make yourself a Nixon, send us a picture on Instagram at Cocktails and Classics Pod and use hashtag Cocktails and Classics. Or if Twitter is your thing, tweet us at Cocktails Class. We'd love to see how your Nixon came out and hear your thoughts on how it tasted for you. Again, if you're interested in making this cocktail, check out the recipe in the show notes below. And if you haven't seen the movie All the President's Men, sit back, sip on this week's cocktail, and enjoy the show. There will be spoilers from here on out, so heads up. Otherwise, continue on for our post movie discussion. Spoiler, Nixon resigns. Nixon's the guy from Futurama, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's yes. the president with his head in the jar. <laughs> That's where he's from. He is also a real-life human, but... <laughs> wow, they turned that guy, the president from Futurama, <laughs> into the real thing. <laughs> so this week, we watched All the President's Men from 1976. Brief plot summary. The Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein uncover the details of the Watergate scandal that leads to President Richard Nickens. Nickens? <laughs> President Nickens. Nick, no, President that's Nick. the guy that I knew. <laughs> President Knickerbocker. <laughs> the Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein uncover the details of the Watergate scandal that leads to President Richard Nixon's resignation. Directed by Alan J. Pakula, based on a book written by Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, uh, it stars Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford, Jack Warden. All the President's Men uh, won four Oscars the year it came out. Um, the 1977 Academy Awards, it won Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Jason Roberts. Best Writing, Screenplay Based on Material from Another Medium, uh, William Goldman. Best Art Direction, Set Direction, Best Sound. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Best Director, Best Film Editing. I'm... What did it lose Best Picture to? I was about to say, Best Picture, 1977, Taxi Driver, Ooh. Network, huh. Bound for Glory, All the President's Men, and the winner, Rocky. Oh, wow. yeah. That was a banger year for movies. That's a, that's a pretty fucking solid year. 
stacked. Yeah, I I mean, I'm surprised Rocky won, but mm. people love an underdog is, story. You cannot count out good old fashioned Americana. <laughs> there was about probably close to half of the country that wasn't a huge fan of all the president's men when it came out. It was fairly fresh. True. Right. Everyone could get behind Rocky, the underdog. Yeah, every, I was going to say Everyone uh, in Philadelphia loves the three-foot Italian <laughs> guy, but hates Joe Lewis, the, the black American hero who is actually a real person and boxing champion. But let's build statues of Sylvester Sloan, because, you know, that's the thing. Why? Why did they do that? <laughs> You gotta be nice to those Philly fans. They will burn your house. They down. will boo us, yeah, <laughs> and they'll throw batteries at me. I know. They'll also uh, climb the light poles, so we gotta grease them so they can't climb them. <laughs> they, they'll find a way. They do do uh, that. By the love way, love finds In Philadelphia. a way. They what grease the light job. poles so that they uh, won't climb. And they them. and they will get angry and try to flip the game board at some point. It will happen. <laughs> they will forget it's nailed down. <laughs> So this movie was also shot by the late, great Gordon Willis, who also shot the Godfather trilogy and uh, Annie Hall in Manhattan. I have a fun fact about the cast. So uh, at the very beginning of the film, the security guard who busts the Watergate uh, scandal that's going on was actually the same security guard who busted the real Watergate break-in. Frank Wills, yeah. I saw The man played played himself. himself. Yeah. That's so weird. That's crazy. What a great gig. Rightfully right? so, though. I mean, yeah, because after he busted the Watergate thing, he immediately was fired and never worked again. Oh, my God. What? Really? Yeah, he died in, like, 2000, never worked again. Wow. That's sad. I didn't know that. Why did... We got to stop this podcast. I'm too sad now. Cameron, what were your initial reactions to All the President's Men? My initial impression was after seeing what year it was made, how really close and how fast of a turnaround this movie was made. He was like he resigned in what seventy two three something like that four four so it was like yeah three or four year turnaround on these events with like I mean obviously it was like a from a first hand source but uh, with like you know according to how he says it like good accuracy and so that was that was surprising to me um, my other impressions too were that it was. It was a good movie. It was a really, really good movie. Um, I thought that it covered a lot of uh, the events well. It also, I thought their portrayals of the characters were like really good. Like they were very believable as those like as those people. Um, and also, even some of the minor things. Like I always think it's interesting when uh, in movies or TV, the actors like. There were many parts where they were definitely, you could tell they were kind of like playing a character that was just moving very quickly. And like, there were times where he'd like, they'd say the wrong thing, but like on purpose. And then they'd have to like correct themselves, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know, just those like little details in there um, made it shine for me. But I, it was, yeah, I thought it was really good. And I learned some stuff. And knowledge is half the battle. Go Joe. It is cool to see like the, the, the film, yeah, like you said, like turn around and obviously address like the scandal, like so close to the actual event. Um, it, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, because like even even like now, so I feel like it's happening way more often <laughs> where filmmakers like are Paramount sitting back there writing a script right now. <laughs> hey, man, you never know, man. Probably jot that down. Jot that down. If uh, yeah, basically come uh, come January 2021, you never know. 
you know that news thing that happened? Let's make a movie out of that. What a solid idea. Like the whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, if they ever wanted to remake this movie or make like a movie of the making of this, Brad Pitt could pay to play Robert oh, Redford. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah. You mean President like, I was like, Robert once a... Redford? <laughs> <laughs> like the whole time I was like, I was like, Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood literally looks. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Robert Redford. I would say I would say, I would say uh, Brad Pitt well, he made and a newer uh, movie, right? I would say Brad Pitt and Adam Driver. Oh, that'd be great. Mm. Adam, After I he mean, just did the post, wh- who was? I was gonna say who was in the, the post? post. The, the report. The report. Yeah, is the, the report. one with Adam Driver. Oh. Yeah, the post. No, but was... there's the one with the post. Or, the post. That's yeah. uh, Tom, Tom. Tom Hanks, Hanks. Meryl Streep. Um, Mark Ruffalo. No, that's Spotlight. That's, yes, that's uh, Michael Keaton and <laughs> uh, Bob Odenkirk is in the post. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So this movie actually, I I believe the way they phrase it is it's technically based on the book written by the real Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. But uh, Robert uh, Redford had the in with the two guys from the post, and they were sort of writing the script and the book at the same time. That's a, mm. that's a fun tidbit. Interesting. I mean, Robert, if you notice in the like opening credits, like he also Robert Redford produced the movie as well as starred in it too. So. Right, and the book came out two years well, before the movie did. And th- the director was uh, Robert Redford's production partner. Hmm, that makes sense. So, I mean, that's a pretty solid collaboration then <laughs> to have that much of a hand in it. I will say something probably the, the normal person won't, wouldn't have noticed. Oh, shit. The normal person. Uh, you want to rephrase that? Yeah. Uh, beautiful use of the split diopter in this film. Uh, so who's a what's you want to run that back for me? Yeah. <laughs> for so, all these idiots that don't know what that is, can you uh, tell us? Yeah. Split explain diopter. it to everybody else, Don. Just explain it to the listeners real quick what a so, split diaphragm is. Diaphragm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're talking the same. Can you tell me what a diaphragm is? Thank you. So, as an industry a diopter, term. a diopter is a like concave piece of glass that you would put in front of a lens. Basically, that moves your uh, focal plane forward. Right. So, or actually closer to the lens, I guess. Right. Um, so you could say you can only focus three feet ahead. You'll put in a uh, diopter in front of it, and it'll bring that focus closer. So then you could actually focus like one foot ahead of you or two feet. So a split diopter is only half the glass. So oh. there's the there's the initial phone call where he's um, talking to the guy, and he's he's like, oh, uh, where he like volunteers that he's innocent when nobody asked him if he was guilty. Yeah. Um, in that scene, uh, Robert Redford is in focus, and the background is also in focus. Interesting. And you wouldn't notice that, like you, you that would that would make sense in like without the diopter because something has to be out of focus technically. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that a yeah. few times with the uh, all the TV scenes. There's a typewriter too. Um, when the typewriter, it's like a close up of the keyboard. And then you can you can kind of see where the uh, edge of the glass is because it's like right where the uh, not the ribbon but the thing that like holds the paper to the typewriter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it the the glass line is right there, but then the people on the other side are also in in focus. It's it's very interesting, uh, and it's it's not used that often these days. Okay, I feel like it's a very I was bring that up because. I did notice that in a couple scenes where you catch him like 
and where the pillar he's standing next to ends, everything to the right of or the left of that just blurs out. Um, yeah, so that's Dylan's uh, Dylan's little nerdy film talk. Do you guys think that uh, like two years after, either in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty five, God forbid, uh, do you think <laughs> <laughs> like two years after that they're going to uh, make a movie? <laughs> oh, I mean, I know it's coming. I know it's fucking coming at some point, but it's just a matter. I think of there's going to be a series of movies. Yeah, there's... it's, it's going to be like a Netflix like thing or oh sure see here's the other question is it going to be a serious movie like this or a veep type thing where it's just a comedy of errors i think there's going to be a bunch <laughs> i think it's going to literally be like an entire genre like i think political no, god yeah the political genre is going to explode there's going to be because what can't you do movies now? made there's going to be more mystery type movies i don't i don't think pieces. it's i don't think it's going to i think it already is i think it's already taken off it's just a matter of who wants to take on you know who who wants to take on the role i mean it has but it's it's in a the frame of reference is different too right like it's like a it's it's in a during phase versus like a post analysis type of phase which is um different uh yeah one thing that i have not considered as much which i don't want to is the fact that even if he gets ele- like not elected and and is gone in 2021 he's there's still going to be ex-president donald trump running around tweeting and shit for the next will, like until he, he dies. will always be known as mr president right fucking sucks i mean i mean we already know yeah we already we are <laughs> we always know he's not going to go quietly either so that's the thing it's always going to be i will not go quietly into the night i'm gonna live on i'm gonna tweet because this is our ex-president donald trump (laughs) yeah one of the other things i liked about this movie is even though you know obviously as someone who lives here uh you know where the movie's kind of going um you it still feels kind of like a mystery movie to me almost like it actually kind of feels like a detective movie to me even though it's yeah. obviously like about journalism and things you already know, it's kind of interesting to see where, like how they end up where they get. Yeah. You know, the end, but it's like, how are they going to get him? Right. And when people like slip up or like decide, like they want to talk or whatever, you're like, Ooh, oh, when the librarian calls him back, like, Oh yeah, you got him. You got him. Yeah. Like she's denying the conversation ever happened. What? Yeah. It's almost like those, I mean, it's of the same time, but those, like, 60s, 70s, like, spy thriller. Well, even, um, like, the hard-nosed detective stories, like Mickey Splain and a lot of those kind of shows that were out that were those P.I. Mm-hmm. nose-to-the-ground kind of kind of shows that were super popular. It kind of gave me the feeling, I know Cameron, when we watched 12 Angry Men, was like, ooh, it's another gotcha. I, yeah. I definitely felt that in this movie, where it was like, Oh, we found another piece to the puzzle, and it's it's slowly. It's like, oh, did you even think about Howard Hunt? And you're like, oh shit. Oh fuck. Yeah, like it, it's it's not so much like the whole plot because we kind of we you get what the plot is, but it's it's every single details which you gotta appreciate like as it unfolds in the movie. One other thing I liked about this movie too is um, they they can they can keep you enthralled in the movie without like random subplots i feel like a lot of movies have to do like these random one or two off subplots like 
you know, they'll do like a romance or they'll do like some other yeah, extra side. Like one conflict. of these guys, one of these guys would have like a girlfriend right. and he's having he's like, like struggle with her. Yeah. Right. And he's, she's like, oh, you're always working on the job. You have to stop working on the job. And he's like, I can't, I'm so close to the lead. Like, it's nice that like we have, it's just like, you know, the one continuous story and you don't have to have those. Yeah, I like that there's they don't take any time to do character development because the characters don't matter. It's like these two reporters, yeah. one of them's fairly new, and they're just on this Watergate trail and that's the whole story. I really I really do like that. Well, that's it's it's like it's like that movie Spotlight, like Dylan had mentioned. Like that that's it, it's exactly what the movie Spotlight is is just like. It's not really character development. There's not too much delving into like character background or like who they are, but it's just more about the story itself because I mean it was it was the biggest story of probably the decade so it's like you know of course that it, like i said the the i mean the focus is on the details probably the biggest story in life for like 30 years <laughs> yeah the i mean i'm sure this movie played influence to zodiac but it's it kind of reminded me of zodiac uh mm. david fincher's i still want to see that yeah. i haven't seen that one yet oh it's really um, good it's another good one yeah but it's like same sort of premise in like one of the main characters is that he is a newspaper reporter and he's like following the trail and it, this definitely sticks to those two reporters and this trail that they're on rather than like Zodiac goes into some subplots and, and other things are happening. This movie, you didn't even really, the only times it shows things outside of them is when it's on television. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, there's a couple scenes, and it's more so just, again, to give more of the backstory of, like, when they're talking about whether or not to publish the story. But it's yeah, still the, the yeah, focus. In the editor's room. Yeah, but the focus is still on Jack Warden's character pushing the story. It doesn't shift to them talking about, you know, well, so-and-so is meeting with X, Y, and Z person, and now let's cut to their story. It's like, no this is what we should go with uh, i don't like it okay well now we're back to the main two characters as they try to figure this thing out was there a memorable scene for anyone so yeah the last scene where carl and bob are talking to ben um at night outside of his house like hey we can't talk inside they're doing electronic wiretapping and ben just gives them the lowdown like hey listen you're on it and everything's at stake and if you fuck up i'm gonna be mad and then go get to work. Like, yeah, go shower. 15 minutes, you're back on. Yeah, he starts telling him, like, yeah, shower, make yourself a nice meal, go hang out, see the family, see the wife, see the kids, make sure you relax. 15 minutes later, get your ass back to the office. <laughs> shower, shit, shave, get out there. <laughs> okay, maybe this is a good time. One of the, to mention this, but uh, one of the things I didn't like about it is that I felt like the ending was very rushed. Like, I didn't particularly like how... It's like, all right, get back to work. And they're like, yeah. And then they just like, were like, oh, yeah, by the way, all these people uh, were, you know, found guilty and Nixon resigned, blah, blah, blah. The end. Goodbye. Yeah. Instead of telling this story to you in in sense of a plot in a movie, we're just going to go ahead and sum it up with the typewriter. And there yeah. we go. We're done. Which is a all right. Cool. cool. It's a cool effect, but it did. It did feel almost empty it, it, to me. Like, that's the. That's like probably my only drawback from this movie is it felt like the end was not satisfying. Well, it's so much, it's so much buildup. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's so much buildup. You see right. all like the work they have to like, obviously take on and stuff. And then for it to just kind of just 
cut it off. Almost, it almost felt, it felt like it was yeah. cut off with yeah. no payoff. Right. No right. Payoff. Well, this is only seven and... months of their investigation. Like they started in what seventy two, and it took till seventy four for Nixon to actually resign. They were still going for <laughs> another like two years. Right, but was it just not interesting for those like last year and a half or whatever? Like, why didn't why wasn't that included at all? Long ass movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you figure also at that point in like maybe the timeline, it's it's not so much like gathering intelligence; it's more or less like probably organizing it for for the story, um, which which might take some time. I mean, I, I you know I, I'm not too sure. I haven't really haven't read too much into it, but. Um, it, I almost felt kind of like not not I don't want to say robbed, but like even though you know the ending of the story, the ending of the plot, like I feel you feel like it's kind of almost taken away that that satisfaction at the end of them being able to like accomplish what it is they've been trying to do with the whole movie. That is my biggest uh, complaint about this movie is the ending, though. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree. I think that I th- I just think it's unsatisfying. Uh, I think the memorable moments for me is kind of the times that. The two main characters, like, like they plan out what they're going to do, and it's so conniving. Like, we'll just tell her. We know. We know P is Percy, or we know P is Porter. But, so, you'll just say, who is P? I'll say, P is Porter. And if she doesn't correct us, then we know we have it right. Okay, good idea. And then they do the exact same thing with, like, the last name. They're like, yeah, we know. We know it's this person. Well, they didn't tell us no, and they didn't correct us, so he must be right. Like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, and and Bernstein is, like, so good at, like, pushing his way into these people. Like, he is so crafty. Like, I mean, I guess not necessarily crafty to some extent. Like, with Dardis, the uh, guy down in Miami, when he, like, calls the, the clerk, and the he's clerk. like, oh, you got to come get these papers. It's about to close, and then just shoves his way into the office. And he's Mm-mm. like, I've been here all day. <laughs> and I'm going to have to go back to Washington now. So if you don't meet with me for at least five minutes. Well, it's interesting because in that scene, he doesn't, he basically insinuates like, I'm going to write something. So you better just tell me the details or else, you know, he's basically implying that he's just going to write some bullshit or just like write based on what he knows rather yeah. than actual facts. This is your chance to comment on it or else right. this is what we're painting you as. So right, exactly. Do with that what you will. It's kind of like it's weird because I feel like I feel like this in Law and Order too, and I've watched that where it's like you kind of root for these people, but they're doing really shady shit sometimes. Where it's like, <laughs> like the, an example is in Law and Order when someone's like, "I won't give you my DNA," and then they like drink from a cup and then leave the room, and the, the detective's like, "Haha, I got you, bitch," and then takes the cup and like <laughs> anal- analyzes it or whatever. It's like, yeah, as a viewer, you're like, yeah, that's really good, but then. Like, if you think about it, you're like, wait, that's not, that's like a really shady way of. <laughs> so you just took their DNA without their consent? Right. Wait. It's like. And you're the good guy? Right. It's really shady. Minute. I think w- another scene that's kind of like memorable or shocking is uh, Robert Redford is meeting with Deep Throat the last time. And he's like, well, I just, I just need to know what you know. Like, tell me. He's like, at uh, wit's end. And then Deep Throat's like telling him everything, and he's like, "Grab your notebook. There's a lot more. Your lives are in danger." And then he runs to uh, Bernstein's house, and they turns all the the radios on, and he's like typing out all the the messages. You're like, "Oh shit, it's getting real," because like half the movie he's kind of like 
somebody's following me. Like he just see like he'll see like a car or looks around and it's kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm getting followed, but you don't really ever see anyone following him. Yeah, you think it's just like a political, you know, like a pack that's organizing this sort of thing. And then that last meeting with Deep Throat, like you said, he's like, oh, shit, the FBI, the CIA, who knows who's coming after him? That's when it really gets real. I think it also validates all the times you see him throughout the movie, like just kind of stop, take a minute and look around. And there's no cars, no nothing. But I mean, he has to know he's being watched because Deep Throat literally tells him, put a red flag in your flower, like flower pot. And if I want to talk, I'll get in touch with you. So he has to know that people are obviously watching his apartment and watching like him very closely. Another one that it was it was never in the book I, I read, but uh, just follow the money. Um, I feel like it's a, a, a big line and a big, yeah, it's a big aspect of the movie. Such a great line. It's been used a ton. Yeah, that's I feel like that's been used a lot. Yeah. It's always that it's always a trail, man. Always a paper trail. I think some of the things that said between the conversations between Robert Redford's character and, and Deep Throat, just in general, like the first time they meet and he's like, We're trying to put a we're trying to put pieces together and we don't know what the puzzle's supposed to look like. I think that one was one of my favorite. Yeah. Even just the, the character Deep Throat has inspired so many things. Yeah. Like the X Files, there's a character Deep Throat and Every fucking spy movie since this movie is pretty much mm-hmm. had a deep throat character. Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say. Like, just any any of the conversations that they have. I mean, it's because any anything that I mean, what's always good about like a mystery thriller type movie is just like it's like anything that comes to the audience and code or you know something that's not directly given that the audience almost has to try to piece together. Uh, it always just makes it more exciting. So this week's podcast is brought to you by Surfside Sips. They make high-impact glass straws. They're a family-owned company. And and what's better than saving saving the turts, you know? The turts? <laughs> the turts. You know, I'm one of those people who hates using paper straws. Paper straws fucking Paper straws suck. suck. I love the worst what solution. they do. I love the, that we're, we're minimizing the use of plastic straws. I enjoy that. Paper straws suck ass. They suck. They're the worst possible solution because turns out, guess what? Paper and water don't fucking mix, okay? I don't know who came up with it, but it doesn't work. Even though even though they put coating on it to try and help, it doesn't work. It just gets soggy and you end up throwing it away anyway, and that's just more waste. And so But you know what doesn't get soggy? Glass. Yeah. Glass straws from Surfside Sips. And if you want to get some glass straws from Surfside Sips, you can use coupon code cocktails and classics spelled out that's cocktails a n d classics for 20 percent off your order and if you're looking for a business to support during this time seems like a good idea today's episode is brought to you by audible audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs news business and self-development but essentially what it is is every month you get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from their monthly selection. So, Dylan and Zach, what are your experiences with Audible? So, working from home nowadays, I recently used Audible to rip through one of my favorite book series. It's always great to go back and revisit some of your favorites. And since we've recently done From Russia with Love, you could could check out some of Ian Fleming's books on Audible. 
they have Dan Stevens, Toby Stevens, uh, Damian Lewis, many great narrators read through Diamonds Are Forever from Russia With Love, Live and Let Die. So maybe you want to get into the James Bond novels as well as the movies. To start your free 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash cocktails and classics, all lowercase. Again, that's audible.com slash cocktails and classics. After your free trial is up, it costs $14.95 per month. However, there are no commitments, and if you can't decide what to listen to, that's okay. You can roll your credits over up to one year. A little bit of a tradition around here is Zach takes over and puts us through a trivia quiz. Zach, take it away. Alrighty, thank you, Dylan. Uh, we will jump into the first question here. What was the actual first name of Deep Throat? Was it A. Mitchell, B. Mickey, or C. Mark? Is this like in real life or? In real life, yeah. In real life, uh, Deep Throat was an agent. He died in 2008. His name yep. was revealed to the public in 2005. Coincidence? What? <laughs> dude was probably old as fuck in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> this dude like, lived for like, what, 40 years almost after doing that, almost single-handedly bringing down Nixon, and nobody revealed his name until... Three years before he died. Like, that's insane. That's crazy to me. Like, that shit would be out in, like, five seconds today. Then again, we still don't know the... the. Well, there's guesses, but we still don't know the guy who wrote the anonymous op-ed from inside the current administration. So, I don't know. I'll say... I'll say... I'll say Mark. I'm gonna say A, Mitchell. I'm gonna say B, Mickey? I believe the answer is C, Mark Feltz. The answer is C. Mark Felt. Hey. <laughs> I was thinking like I'm like oh my god like he was like a like a junior like what is like a junior White House staffer or like a junior like like dude they would they would have they would well, he was an agent in the FBI okay well, that's the right. thing he was the associate director of the right. FBI's yeah he was the high second up. highest position you can be and he's meeting in yeah. a parking garage with a Washington Post reporter yeah alrighty you guys gave me way too many questions to pick from you ruined none of my questions so uh, question number two. The crew was extremely detailed in their hunt for authenticity for this movie. So much so that they actually bought the same $500 desks from the same exact firm that sold desks to the Washington Post back in 1971 for the set. How many desks did they buy? Jesus. A, 50, B, 200, or C, 500? No way 500 goddamn desks are in that bullpen. I'll I'll say... (laughs) Right? Like, that's way too many. I'll say 200. Um, I'm going to say A50. I don't know. I'm going to agree with Carlos and say 200 here. I had to buy that stuff in bulk. A lot of fucking desks. Yeah, 50 is a bulk number. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would say 50. I feel like the the crew in that, or the, the production, would try not to have a huge budget on fucking desks when... You could shoot the same desks from different angles, and it would look completely... They didn't have to move them so much. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, as is tradition, heading into question number three, we have a two-way tie between Cameron and Carlos. Nice. 
200 that's insane 200 desks were bought at 500 dollars a pop jeez yep holy 10 shit. grand on desks. i mean to be honest if you think about it it, would act, sure they it might them actually after. cost them more money to have to move those desks around for each shot than it would be just to buy 200 desks Possibly, i mean i mean yeah. are there any like super wide shots where you have to see where you see the whole i'm not trying to think yeah there's there a, a couple lot where you see a ton of desks so question number three we have a two-way tie. We actually have two two-way ties, if you want to be technical. One between Cameron and Carlos oh. with two points each, and then one with, between well, they Ben can't and catch Dylan up anyway, so with, nothing matters. with zero points. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, question number three. Robert Redford approached Dustin Hoffman and offered him the role of Carl Bernstein at which professional basketball team game? A, the Seattle Supersonics, B, the Los Angeles Lakers, or C, the New York Knicks? Seattle's an interesting one because, in my mind, it's either New York or LA. But I mean, that could be obviously wrong. But that feels like um, okay. So I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say New York. Carlos jumping back to his Knickerbocker quote from earlier. <laughs> my God. I'll also say New York. I feel like the obvious answer is LA, but. But I don't know. I feel like that seems too obvious. But New York seems okay, so I'm going to say that. Ben Dillon? And also, <laughs> if I get it right with Carlos, then we go into the tiebreaker anyway, so go fuck <laughs> yourself. Yeah, get the, the sad numbers uh, question. I see this game. <laughs> I'm going to say the L.A. Lakers. Did I tell you guys the story of the time I uh, saw Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. No? Yeah, I... Uh, I went to a bar when I was in Santa Monica or Venice, I guess, but we walked to Santa Monica with my uncle and uh, we sat next to Dustin Hoffman at a bar. I mean, it was like a year ago. So he's like old as shit now. And uh, I was like, he was like, my uncle's like, oh dude, that's, that's Dustin Hoffman. I'm like, Oh shit! Hannah's like, who? Oh, <laughs> oh no! No! The did big you, sad. Did you drop a bunch of toothpicks by him to see if he uh, could count? Them? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> like, or did you just, did you just kind of, like? Just, I didn't say anything because I'm a I'm a simp. Or you just slowly walk up to him and say, uh, "Oh, Mr. Hoffman, are you trying to seduce me?" God. <laughs> All right. So New York or LA? Uh, ben, did we get your? The answer is the Seattle Supersonics. Wow, that's so my guess. I put the Seattle Supersonics in there to throw you guys off. Huh. It was the New York Knickerbockers. Wow. Okay, so this so was it blows. was it because? <laughs> so okay, correct. Why correct did I me come back wrong. to this fucking shit show? Was yeah, was Robert this. Redford was Robert Redford in New York because? It was right around the time that he filmed Gatsby. So I did not go as deep as to find Robert Redford's personal planner. <laughs> but what I do know Travel is that Robert walk. Redford wanted to make this movie. And uh, the studio basically said, okay, that's fine. But you're Robert Redford. So who the hell is going to be Carl? And uh, he tried out a bunch of different actors and nobody really worked. He saw Dustin Hoffman at a Knicks game. and was like, you know what? Let me just ask. He accepted the part on the spot, and we lived happily ever after. Beautiful. He was at a basketball game, so we figured he'd, he'd uh, go ahead and shoot his shot. Cool.
shoes. Uh-oh. Swish. Cool. Nothing but net. Ben with the dad joke. Scooped. All day, every day. The punny. All right, so we have a, another tie between Cameron and Carlos. We will go immediately into the closest without going over category, our lovely tiebreaker. How many months in prison did each of the five Watergate burglars serve? Total? For each like, one of the five. They all got the same number oh, of months. Okay. Oh, so not cumulative. Not added got together. It. I feel like this was in the movie at some point, but I don't remember it. But maybe it wasn't. No, they just mentioned that they were the only ones. You said you said how convicted. many months? How many months? Yeah. Uh, I'll say three months. You said it was a disappointing number, and that wouldn't shock me. So I'll say ten, just because like I don't feel I I, I feel like it was close with a close to a year ish time. All right, ladies ladies and gents, each of the five were sentenced to a fourteen month term, one year and two months for, uh, you know what they did. It wasn't just the breaking in. It was also the conspiracy to commit massive, massive fraud. But 14 months and is fair, I guess. That's mm. super weak. That's weak <laughs> sauce. I mean, what, how, many, how, much time has, how much time has Roger Stone in... been in, quote-unquote, jail? He was in for like a day. <laughs> a couple weeks, maybe. Yeah, he went in, and then Trump wrote the pardon, and then he was out. Yeah, I don't well, think he I don't didn't, think he stepped it's a foot sm- in the jail before the ink dried on that. A very <laughs> small pardon. distinction is his sentence was commuted, so he still is a convicted felon, but he didn't serve any jail time. All right, so we have a winner. It's uh, Carlos. Carlos won the trivia. Woo! Uh, shout out to your boy. Heyo. So I did the dirty work of finding some reviews oh, for this movie. Super dirty. Online. Yeah. Just filthy. Uh, yeah. I I was like Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. Digging <laughs> digging like a pig for those truffles, as Ben would say. <laughs> You're just pressuring uh, people that were in low <laughs> that were like low on the totem pole into giving away uh, secrets that could cost them their job forever. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Uh, destroy their loyalty with their political party. Um Yeah. So the First review I have comes from Letterbox, March 3rd, 2017, watched by Lulu. It says, anybody got a time machine I can borrow so I can go back to 1976 and fuck young Robert Redford? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Is that the end of the review? Yes. Oh, my God. I have nothing to say with that. That is fantastic. I'm sorry. I, I missed find... the star rating. Was this a nine-star oh. review, or what was it? Uh, there was no star rating on this one, actually. Okay. Uh, doesn't doesn't need it. I hope this person <laughs> finds their 1976 Robert Redford. Yeah, we assume it's a ten-star review. <laughs> that is one of the most liked reviews for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know he didn't just capture, like, you didn't alienate the population there. I don't know if there's anybody, regardless of sexual orientation, that wouldn't have fucked a young Robert Redford. Uh, actually, uh, my wife says that she does not think that he is that attractive. She's just trying to make you feel feel good. Yeah. He's super attractive. <laughs> a little bit more serious of a review. Sean Hagen's on Letterboxd, January 2nd, 2018, gave it a one out of five stars. It says, this movie has a lot of talking and no boom Aww. booms. <laughs> Really disappointing okay, for a, a movie with review. Robert Redford. No boom booms. <laughs> no boom booms. <laughs> I wanted him to go run around Washington with a gun and shoot Nixon in the face. 
that would have been much better. And this was, this was the more serious one. Oh, this guy thought he was watching Taxi Driver. This is not serious. It has good acting and a good script, but it's just so boring. <laughs> I didn't fall asleep, though, even though we watched it at 4 a.m., because I only fall asleep during good movies like Foxcatcher, Drive, Unforgiven, and Sicario. Oh, Unforgiven. <laughs> is this a Dylan? <laughs> I only fall asleep to Transformers. I don't usually fall asleep during movies, but when I do, it's, it's to Bay. Sicario. <laughs> interesting i can't tell when you started reading it i thought it was definitely satire but by the end of it i wasn't actually as sure anymore the 4 a.m piece gets me <laughs> like he probably watched some like watched some adult adult I, swim and I, then uh found, found i'm so movie. edgy and cool i start movies at four in the morning because that's how edgy and cool i am well yeah but when you normally, get back from your rager it's four normally they put me to sleep but only the exciting ones like the ones made this year. <laughs> Those of us who have seen this film wrote down our ratings based off memory and nostalgia. And now I want to know if your rating has changed or not. Let me put my foot down and tell you guys that heading into this movie, I was pumped to watch it. Not only because it's a great movie, but because my wife told me she had never seen it. So I'm sitting down. I'm like, okay, I'm giving this movie a nine. We're going to sit down. We're going to watch all the president's men. She's going to love it. Not just because of the history aspect, but because of what's been going on recently. I like how fast-paced it is. I'm like, oh, she's going to enjoy this. And I did, too. I didn't enjoy it a 9. I'm going to bump it down to a 7. Um, I will start off by saying Dustin Hoffman's great. And this is Robert Redford's second best movie. Um, what's number one? You know what number one is. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> which cast me in the sundance kid yeah the movie where he says 100 words in it <laughs> oh wow um this this is a really good movie you should see it the part that ruins it for me and i touched on it earlier is the ending it just ends too abruptly there's a slow fade to nixon's like talk on the tv and bob woodward in the background just hammering the shit out of those keys but then you just go to a typewriter of like everything happening. And I don't mind the typewriter. I just wish there was a little more than, you know, meeting with Ben outside of his house and saying, you guys better get this right. And then we immediately start the outro. I wish there was another 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Um, and then I would have bumped it up at least another point, maybe two. Uh, but I'll leave it at a seven. Yeah. Likewise with Zach. Um, it, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Um but I think, obviously, given a lot of the political atmosphere currently, um, definitely is a lot of inspiration to really reflect and talk about this movie. But um, going into it, I, I was thinking like a six, just because at the time that I originally watched it, I was like, okay, like I, I've seen a handful of Robert Redford movies, but um, coming back and re-watching this now and understanding a lot more of like the, the political and journalism, you know, journalism aspect of it, um, I definitely appreciate it more now. Um, so I bump it up to uh, a seven and a half for this one. Um, I, I do enjoy it. I enjoy the mystery slash like thriller, uh, I guess like atmosphere of the movie. Um, just because it, it's, it, you know, keeps you, keeps you interested in the details. You know the plot, but keeps the audience interested in the details. And I, and I like that, you know, especially for the movies that are like this, like Spotlight, um, like The Report, 
um, both movies, you know, I recommend that, you know, our audience, you know, take a peek at. Um, so yeah, seven and a half for me. Uh, going in, I, I think highly of this movie, uh, before I gave it a seven out of 10. Um, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's well done. Um, it's, it's got a lot of flow to it. I feel like every, everything is leading. Every scene is leading to the next, the next piece of the puzzle, the next thing we're going to figure out and, and how we're going to tie this all together. Cause we all know, or most people should know the, the ending of the Nixon resignation but it's like how we get there. And especially as someone in 2020 watching it, and I don't know all these like little, all the players in it. Like I didn't know the attorney general's name. I don't know uh, the friggin' second most important man. You know, I don't know all those people, but as you're piecing it together and finding out it's, it's a great watch. It's well paced. It's beautifully shot. The music is really well done. And I kind of like the, spy thriller type cinematography that we have as well uh where you have those slow zooms with the music swelling and on a second viewing i'm gonna bump my score up to a nine and a half i love this movie and i highly recommend it to anyone i think it's a great time yeah we'll say there's only one dull moment in this movie and it's just one of those pan shots of the entire city and they use it as a means to go from like morning to night and to show, to show the guy still at the office. That's the only like dull scene. Other than that, you nailed that this movie just moves and moves and moves and moves. So I like Cameron, uh, went into this movie having not seen it before. Um, I just wasn't something that I'd ever, you know, looked at and thought, Oh, that's, that's it. That's the movie I want to watch. Um, but man, I'm, I'm glad we, we picked this one, and I'm glad we watched it. Uh, yeah, I think you guys definitely, like Dylan said, hit the nail, especially when he talks kind of about the fact that you know what's you know what happened. I think the fact that we're viewing it now four decades, I was going to say more than four decades four and after. Half, yeah, yeah. And, and an election year the, for us. So I think the fact that you don't know the names and you don't know kind of allows it to be a little bit more of a mystery you know obviously i knew about the whole you know the the deep throat you know being the one to secretly give the information to the reporters on what was going on in that but you know you don't really know a lot of the the background that went into the fact that these guys really kind of dug in and and found out the things that weren't being said or weren't being done um and made it an interesting movie uh it definitely kind of merged the nice historical with kind of a spy thriller feel um i do agree the ending it it felt like it was building up to this massive moment and then just kind of like nope we're gonna end it with a typewriter and just kind of explain what's happening and it wouldn't have been bad had that come after you got some sort of validation from the ending um overall i gave this movie a seven and a half but yeah overall i definitely recommend this movie especially in today's climate with what's going on check it out i like dylan really enjoyed this movie as someone who lives in the united states you this is really unavoidable to know what 
happened more or less hopefully (laughs) hopefully yeah so i thought it was really good i thought the dialogue was great i liked that they focused on the one plot line uh i also liked that it felt kind of like a detective uh movie a little bit uh even though you might know the ending you don't know really how they get there and they kind of how they unravel the bits and pieces makes it uh really worth it so with that i'm gonna give this movie an eight and a half eight and a half uh and that is because again i i thought it was a good movie pacing was good it was a little long but it wasn't like like it didn't drag for the most part it just kept going from one scene to the next um the only negative in my mind is the ending is just i just didn't i thought it was very unsatisfying ending i thought that they either could have cut some earlier and showed more after that point in time or maybe that's just how the book was structured i'm not sure but um i just thought the ending was a little unsatisfying since they never really got to that like satisfying conclusion of seeing their hard work pay off if you enjoyed this don't forget to rate subscribe check out our instagram at cocktails and classics pod and use the hashtag cocktails and classics to send your movie and drink recommendations maybe check out our sponsors audible and surfside sips And share us with your friends, and as always, watch responsibly.